10, 5, he's into the end zone, touchdown Arkansas State. Deflected into the hands of Belts, Avery for three, hits, cover is safe, the Red Wolves have walked it off. Welcome to the Second to None Podcast, the A-State Podcast, presented by Simmons Bank. Now, here's a couple of guys who know the Red Wolves like no one else. Matt Stoltz and Brad Boba. It was a very good week for A-State Athletics. Opening weekend for A-State Baseball. That went very well. Looking forward to talking about that here in the next few minutes. Also, the bowling team hosting their midwinter invitational over the weekend. Some good stories there. Mm -hmm. And we're going to end up discovering the real reason why (laughs) they didn't win the whole thing. But we'll start with hoops. The A-State men played their final two home games this past week. It started Thursday night with Troy, a game in which A-State led most of the way. They were up as many as 10 with 13 and a half minutes to go. Omar El-Sheik with a good performance in this one. He had 16 points, 11 rebounds, but it was Troy coming from behind, and that's a good Troy team that came back late, and they were able to find a way to win it 67-62. Well, if you're going to repeat a pattern this is a good one to repeat in the fact that regardless of what the number of available players has been uh it's been as low as six from a scholarship standpoint up to whatever these guys just they keep scratching and clawing i mean you could say whatever you want about the situation they're facing but one thing you cannot do is knock the effort of this men's basketball team they uh have scrapped and scratched and clawed and fought and and won or given themselves a chance to win games they probably didn't have any business having a chance to win and with the exception of south alabama they've been in every single game in conference play it was disappointing though on Mm -hmm. thursday night and i think the entire team players coaching staff alike were extremely frustrated they felt like that one got away so it was important to bounce back Saturday on senior day three seniors honored before the game Omar El Sheik Marquise Davis and Dylan Arnett and it ended up being a very entertaining game a game in which we saw eight ties and 12 lead changes but little bit different result at the end of this one. The Red Wolves able to pull it out 75-70. to 70, Really a hard-fought victory, and it's always nice to win on senior day. What's the biggest lead anybody had in this game? Georgia State led by as many as eight. That came in the first half. And the Red Wolves led by as many as five. Yeah, and that came, that came late in the game. And, of course, they ended up winning by five but it was an extremely tight game at one point in the second half there were some people having a conversation and were they were out of view of the scoreboard and somebody looked at me and said what's the score right now and i didn't have any idea i just said somebody's up by one because i knew that it was going to be right because it felt like no matter when you looked at the scoreboard <laughs> in the second guess. half somebody was up by one and uh Anyway, it was, it was good to see them pull that one out. And I tell you, it was good to see you know, down the stretch. Uh, it was fun to see you know, the crowd got into it. That thing yeah. helped this team across the finish line. Red Wolves shot 48% for the game. They only turned it over seven times. Terrence Ford is so fun to watch. Yes. The true freshman 
certainly not playing like one anymore. He was a perfect five for five from three. And there was that stretch in the first half where the Red Wolves went on a 14 to two run. That was after Georgia State had taken that eight point lead. But a 14 2 run where Terrence Ford hit four threes in a row. Caleb Fields also is a big story in this game. He had 21 points and hit a really big shot in the last 20 seconds to help put it away. You know, afterwards, Mike Bellato talked about just how important it was to bounce back in this game, and he talked about those two big performances from his point guards. You know, the one on Thursday hurt. Even though Troy was very good and I have a lot of respect for Coach Cross, I thought we had a chance to win. We played well for 35 minutes, and then we talked about it. We watched some film and just discussed that we need to, you know, close out games the right way, taking care of the ball, being confident. But defensively, down the stretch, I thought we did a good job, you know, this game, holding them. So I think they shot three for 11 in the last four and a half minutes or something. So that was good for us. And, you know, we were able to come out with a victory. You and I talked about it before the game, and we really didn't talk about it during our pregame visit, but you challenged Caleb Fields yesterday. He's a guy that is a fourth-year junior, has certainly played through some pain this year with the fractured wrist. He's had some other injuries as well. But you told him that if you're going to win, he's got to step up and make some plays, and man, did he down the stretch today. Finishes with 21 points. I know you got to be thrilled with him. I just told him after the game, walking to the tunnel, I said, I'm so proud of you. The, the, the conversation yesterday was a not, not a fun one, I'm sure, for him. But I just tried to make him realize that he's so important to our program. You know, he's a four-year guy, leader. Everybody looks up to him. And I know he's hurt. He's fighting it. I know it is. It hurts like hell. But at the end of the day, if he's going to do what we need him to do for us to win, he's going to do it. And he understood that. He said he's frustrated. I know he knows I'm frustrated, but there's nothing he can do. Just fight through it. He did tonight, you know, and he, he helped us get a win. Your other point guard, Terrence Ford, was pretty phenomenal. Mark Taylor looked up the stat a little while ago. He was 5-for-5 from three in this game. No player has gone perfect from three with at least five attempts since at least 2010. He goes 5-of-5 from three, also 3-of-4 from the line, 22 points, and uh, he he was just fantastic. Phenomenal. I mean, in the first half, we were in in a little funk, down eight, and he came out and just started feeling it you know and i gotta credit him when you look at his stats out of conference his three-point percentage was atrocious i think it was an adjustment to college play i think it was adjustment to the speed and and strength but you're looking at conference play he's leading the league in three-point percentage because he goes in and works on it every single day so his work ethic has made him do that helped us get a win which is great and look when these two are going if you got terrence ford and caleb fields both scoring at that clip they're not going to score 21 22 points every game but Coach Bellato talked about it. You know, he had challenged Caleb on Friday, talked to him in his office and, and said, I know you're playing through the pain. It's not easy for you right now. It hurts. But if we're going to have success, we've got to have you step up. And it was so great to see Caleb Field step up the way he did. Somebody or more than one somebody from Georgia State didn't have a very fun afternoon and evening because Caleb Fields, especially coming down the stretch of that second half, seemed to just get to the rim at will. And and you don't have to have, from a scoring standpoint, it's not realistic to think they're going to get 43 combined or whatever. But you can't keep Caleb Fields from getting to the rim, and then Terrence Ford's going to hit a bunch of threes. That That's going to cause people a problem. Well, Caleb Fields is so good at attacking the basket and when he's on that's what he's doing I mean he's top three in the league in free throw attempts so he drives and he gets fouled a lot and that's what was happening 
Saturday. Now, we also talked after the game during our postgame show with Omar El Sheik, and this was a great story. Again, it was his senior day, 10th double-double of the season, had 12 points, 12 rebounds. He talked about how much it meant to him to win on senior day and to do it in front of his brother who came a really long way to see him play. It means a lot. Most important thing, we got the win, play for each other. We played the right way. Seeing a lot of guys step up for me and Dylan and Marquise, it meant the world. And I wish, I, I would say to coach, I wish I had a couple more years in here, but it's definitely a sweet one to end it the right way. This team has played so hard throughout all the struggles this year. You continued to play hard. And look, I know it's been frustrating for everybody as far as the wins and losses, but what is it that's kept this team going and continue to fight down this stretch? We, we always got together. We knew since day one we believed that we have the talent because we've seen each other play hard and we've seen each other win. But at the end of the day, I remember uh, a couple of days ago before my brother came here, I was talking with him about like just uh, a frustrating that we always right there. We have such a group, like, such small group of guys. And he said, when God puts you in a tough position, there's always light at the end of the tunnel. So we're just going to keep doing everything the right way. And we know God is going to pull through and like things will happen as we want it to. So we just got to keep our head down and do our work. All right. So you brought up your brother, which yeah. I think this is the coolest story of the day. Your brother Marwan is actually here today. He flew in for senior day, flew 17 hours from Qatar to the United States to watch you on your senior day. That's got to mean the world. I'm in the world. I'm in the world. Me and my brother are so close. From he basically like. He brought me up. He's older than me by 11 years, so he's kind of like a junior dad to me. So, uh, I, like, I wish all my family was here, but, like, him being here, it means the world to me, honestly. And, like, the, the least I can do is, like, work hard and, like, see like seeing me win. He's going to mean the world for him, so I'm trying to do my best. And I had a chance to talk with Omar's brother, and... Yeah, Marwan flew from Qatar to Dallas, then flew from Dallas to Memphis and came over to Jonesboro just to see his brother play on senior day. That was cool to see. You know, I've got a, a lot of respect for Omar El Sheik in the sense that look at it from his standpoint. Started at the D1 level, ends up going, you know, playing at the D2 school and having a lot of success. And all of a sudden, you know, here comes you know, Arkansas State and I'm sure other schools trying to get his services. Well, if you're being recruited – and I, I'm just speculating here because I was never recruited, oddly enough. But if you Neither are, was I. I think you're going to research the program recruiting you. And if you're researching the program recruiting <laughs> you and you're Omar El Sheik, you're seeing, so they're trying to get me to come in here and fill the void left by the unplanned departure of the reigning player of the year in the league and a generational talent in that program. That's a big ask. And he has come in and, and done all he could do. I think uh, he, he's been – and I don't just mean to the men's basketball program. Welcome addition to Arkansas State by what he's come in and done in a year. I have really, really enjoyed being around Omar El Sheik. And, and he said it during that clip. He wishes he had a couple of more years here because he's really enjoyed it and he wants to see this thing get figured out. But – yeah, you can tell he enjoys being here and have really enjoyed being around uh, just a fantastic young man. But great to see the Red Wolves win on senior day. Meanwhile, the A-State women had a perfect week in their two home games. And it started Thursday against South Alabama. Red Wolves able to complete the season sweep of the Jaguars, winning 78-58. to A big night for Izzy Higginbottom. 
she's really starting to come into her own. She mm-hmm. had 24 points in this one. And then Kiera Ellis with her first career double-double. She had 12 points and 12 rebounds. In the first half of that game, when it was closer than the final margin ended up being, you know, Kiera Ellis played maybe 10 or 11 minutes in the first half. She came off the bench, had eight points, eight rebounds, a couple of block shots, a couple of steals, a couple of assists. I mean, it was the most efficient half of basketball you've seen from somebody in a long time. And so it was great to see her get her double-double because yeah. it came, she was kind of stuck on nine rebounds. They had emptied the bench. You know, they had given some people their curtain call, and Kira, who comes off the bench, was on the floor. And A-State was in a situation where they couldn't completely dribble out the clock. And a lot of, sometimes people take a turnover there, and sometimes they didn't. Well, A-State took a shot, I think, you know, a tough shot from the corner. Yeah. They happened to hit the rim late, and Kira got the rebound, and it gave her her double-double. You know, she's the fifth different player on this team with a double-double this season. Really? Yeah. That's uh, that's pretty good. That's a good number. I know the men have three. Omar has ten. Caleb Fields has one, and Marquise Davis has one. But for five different players to have it on the women's team, that's a pretty yeah. neat deal. And so it was a good performance for them to uh, you know sweep South Alabama and end up picking up a you know twenty point win, a late surge there. You know, got that to a comfortable margin. And then Saturday, the Cajuns were in town. This is a good <laughs> This was Cajun not a late team. surge. No, quite the opposite, in fact. Now, the Red Wolves win again, 69-59, to but it was due to the amazing start, led 21-2 to after one quarter, and that included a 14 to nothing start to begin the game. 14-0 run, Cajun bucket. 14-0 run, Cajun bucket. And then either a three or a three-point play. It was 31-4. to four My goodness. At one point. And here's the deal. If you don't believe me, go to ESPN Plus and watch it. Even at 31-4, to four, Coach Carol Halford and I, he just had the sense, this thing's not over. And the reason why I can remember when, when the margin was that big, I can remember saying, this Cajun team is not panicked because defense travels and they hang their hat on their defense. And what they do, they started impressing. And they needed to ugly the game up. It was their only path back in it, and they did. And they got as close as, I think, seven, you know, in the fourth quarter. Wow. Well, thank goodness for the hot start. 31-4 to four and able to go on to win it 69-59. to 59. Izzy Higginbottom talked with Cade Carlton after the game about the hot start and how the team wanted to avenge that loss last month in Lafayette. I think it it just started before the game, just my focus and just mindset before the game. I was really locked in and just wanted to come out and get the win. And so just staying aggressive, staying confident, that really carried over. Well, obviously you want to get the win to continue building on the success you have, but that was a tough loss back in January in Lafayette. So how much did that kind of play into this game today? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I know myself and the, I think I can speak for the whole team, including the coaches. We definitely wanted to – we felt like we owed them from last time. So we wanted to come out and be the aggressor, and I think we just did a great job overall. Destiny Rogers also talked after the game, and she said – Look, it was important to get off to a good start against a, a team as good as the Cajuns. She had a lot of respect for that bunch. We wanted to get off to a good start because we know how good Lafayette is, and uh, we got off to a great start. 
And I just kept telling them, listen, this is a good team. This team is tied for second. They had an opportunity before they got beat by Troy to maybe bump up to first. Yep. You know, so they're, they're fighting to still bump up. They're a good team. They like to make the game ugly, and they did. But, listen, I'm walking away from this proud of my team because that is a good, experienced team right there that we just beat. So while we have to do a better job of withstanding people's runs and, you know, if people presses or if people goes on, I'm still proud of my team for being able to pull out a win against a really, really good team. So now the women have won three out of four, and Destiny Rogers was in here last week. She talked about it. She felt like her team has as good a chance as anybody heading in to Pensacola, and now you've got a little bit of momentum heading into the final week of the regular season. Depending on what they do this week, right? But, I mean, number one, they've got, they still have a chance to get out of that first day. They can, yeah, they good can get high now. enough to, to get out of that first day of the tournament. And whether it's the first day or not, they've got a chance this week to, to sort of squarely become one of those teams people don't want to get matched up with in Pensacola. You mentioned Izzy's kind of coming to their own. I would say it's more that Izzy is getting healthier. Remember, I mean, True. when this team started 0-5 in conference play, Izzy did not play the first weekend. And you know, dealing with a foot injury that was just going to be a pain management situation. It wasn't like when she came back, she was better. It's just she came back because they told her you really can't hurt it any more than it hurts. And so she just was kind of gutting it out from them. And I don't know if it's come out by the time you're listening to this or not. I don't. I don't know what day it comes out, but I'll be shocked if she's not the Sun Belt Player of the Week because she had 24 and 25 in the two wins this week, including in that 14-0 run. To start the game, she had the first 11. It was 11 nothing. Izzy Hickenbottom at one point Saturday. And then she assisted on the three by Anna Griffin to complete that 14 nothing right. run. So she helped account for all 14 points to begin the game. So a great weekend for the basketball teams. It was also a fantastic weekend for A-State baseball. We'll talk about that next. When we play today, we win something bigger than ribbons or trophies. We win our tomorrows. Wherever we play, wherever we fight, wherever we overcome odds, we're winning our way. Simmons Bank is committed to supporting women athletes in the communities we serve and are proud to be an official sponsor of A-State Women's Athletics. Not just for a season, but for a winning future. Seasons are short, but fierce is forever. Simmons Bank, member FDIC. Well, you couldn't ask for a much better start from the A-State baseball team. They opened up the season at home over the weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Hosted Arkansas Pine Bluff, and the Red Wolves win all three. Got off to a great start in the opener, winning 12-2 on Friday night. And Tyler Jeans, we were really looking forward to seeing him in that Friday night role. The sixth-year senior who was in here on the podcast a few weeks ago goes six and a third, gives up two runs on two hits, and struck out seven. So a quality start for Mm -hmm. him. And then... You know, the Red Wolves really broke it open in the bottom half of the seventh with a seven-run inning highlighted by first a two-run home run by Cody Darcy, the shortstop transfer from UTSA. And then later on, another one of the newcomers, one guy that you can go ahead and get really excited about, fantastic center fielder. We saw him play really well defensively over the weekend, but he had a three-run homer in that seventh inning Friday night, talking about Blake Burris. 
Yeah, so I was handing out coffee mugs, right, on opening night. Was still doing that when the game was starting. And I even didn't know it had really gotten going yet. And all of a sudden I hear for Pine Bluff in the first. And I was like, man, what did he get out of that top of the first in? It seemed like it's took like it 90 seconds yep. to get the first half in. <laughs> like, holy cow. And then got to find that you'll watch part of that game. And fun to see Tyler do that. But, yeah, I, I'm excited about this team. There are five Division One baseball programs in the state, and only one started three and zero. Of course, you're going up against another one yes. of those. Meanwhile, and, and not to get ahead, and you, I know we're going to talk about Saturday and Sunday too. But you'll know, take a glance. You know, we we know what to think about the Sun Belt. Sun Belt won twelve of its fourteen series over the weekend, and the two teams that didn't win their series. Uh, I think it was Georgia State maybe that dropped two out of three to Cincinnati, but one of those games was six to four, could have gone either way. Mm -hmm. And I think it was James Madison got swept at Florida State, which they're not the only person that would get swept at Florida State. Mm -hmm. So other than that, the other 12 teams, including the five or six sweeps, uh, it was a good weekend for the Sun Belt. It's a really, really good baseball league. Meanwhile, Saturday, Red Wolves able to come from behind in this game. They got... Five and two-thirds out of the starter, the left-hander Hunter Draper gave up two runs over the course of those five and two-thirds innings. But, you know, they trailed three to one late in this game, able to come back and tie it in the eighth. And then in the bottom of the ninth inning, they end up walking it off on a RBI single by Brandon Hager that scored Will French. So it was good to see the blowout on Friday night, but this team showing a little grit in the latter innings to get it done on Saturday. And if you know you're going to win, if you can get in that situation and win, then you would come back and say, boy, I really wanted to be in that situation to see how we'd handle it. It's the best of both worlds. You get to win, and you had to kind of scratch and claw your way to do it. And I think, obviously, we got a long way to go for everybody in the country, but I don't know that, that Pine Bluff's got a lot to hang its head about on the weekend. I think it's it, for kind of watching them and looking through the stats, it, it seems like you know they're probably going to be okay as their season progresses. Yeah, they'll be okay in their league. Kevin Wiseman ended up getting the win. He came in to start the ninth when the game was tied. He pitched a scoreless ninth inning. And again, after Jeans won on Friday night, Wiseman picks up the win on Saturday. And then Sunday, a seven-run fourth inning, the second seven-run inning of the weekend. But they score seven runs in the fourth. It breaks a one-all tie, and the Red Wolves end up going on to win 12-8. to It was 12-2 after seven. Pine Bluff scored once in the eighth and then five in the ninth. Red Wolves did throw 16 different pitchers over the weekend, so we saw a lot of guys get some work. But one guy I know we were really excited about seeing was Sunday in that starting role. Austin Capella went five innings. He gave up one run on five hits. He struck out four, but... He's got some serious heat. He topped out multiple times at 96 Mm. with that heater. And, look, there's not a lot of guys that we've seen with that kind of velocity around here. You know, Tyler Zuber could hit it from time to time. We saw Peyton Culbertson do it in recent years. But to see 96 in that starting role on a Sunday is uh, a really nice change of pace. And the guns working on the scoreboard, so you get that information. I want to know, too, like how many times were you able to incorporate some TrackMan information into the broadcast? A lot. You know, we we had uh, the TrackMan set up, and you see this at Major League ballparks, the TrackMan system. You're able to see instantly 
not only the pitch speed, but the spin rate, the exit velocity off the bat, things like that. And I really enjoyed kind of using that as a broadcast tool. It helps me as far as the broadcast itself. But I thought it was really neat uh, having that at our disposal. Now, after the game on Sunday, Coach Raffo talked about just how nice it was to see good starting pitching all three days and how that kind of helped out in other areas as well. Starting pitching, obviously get five, six innings plus with our starters was big, and I thought they did a really good job of kind of holding the fort down until we got settled in offensively. I think early in a lot of our games offensively, it was, you know, to get settled in was more difficult than maybe we thought. But I think as we saw the pitchers in their first time around, we made some adjustments, especially with our quality at-bats and strung those together to score runs. And, of course, game two late. But uh, today when we scored seven, that kind of really took the top off. And then we added. That was big. I mean, those two ads right there with two and two end up being the winning margin. More arms, more depth as far as your pitching staff. We talked about that coming into the series, but more velocity as well. And we're seeing a lot more arms that are throwing in the low to mid-90s. And Austin topped out at 96 a couple of times this afternoon. And to be able to have that kind of weapon on a Sunday after what we saw yesterday from, from the lefty Hunter Draper really is a change of pace, and you got to feel that's going to be a big weapon for you going forward. It really is. I mean, we probably didn't have the velo as much last year. The only one that I think that was really at times was Jeans, and we kind of held him out last year to pick spots to try to go after games. This year, not as much. I mean, he's one of our better arms. So we go Friday night, Capella is obviously one of our better arms. We go Sunday, so they're throwing more innings on the weekend, and that's what we want to do is throw our better arms on the weekend and that have the better stuff to get guys out. And the swing and miss becomes more of a pitch in that offensive lineup that we're facing. And so instead of having to defend for 27 out, you might be get, get some strikeouts. Now, one of the good stories of the weekend was also the play of Will French. Excited for him. Mm-hmm. He goes seven for 12 on the weekend. Five runs batted in. Five runs scored. He also stole a couple of bases. And he's in that leadoff spot now in his second year at A-State and last year was really rough part of the reason was we had to throw some people in the fire we had two really talented true freshmen but they had to start in Will's case (laughs) every single game at shortstop last year and Daedric Kale started all but a handful of games at second base not his position all true freshmen middle infield last year and now that experience is starting to pay off, Kale doing a really good job at his natural position of third base. Will French is in the leadoff spot, and now he's moved to a new position. So I talked to Will after the game on Sunday, and he said how the game is starting to slow down for him a little bit this year and about that move to second base. Last year the game was pretty fast as a freshman. Uh, this year I feel like I'm able to kind of slow the game down a little bit more, fill in the role, fill into it, like get better. All the reps just make it a lot easier this year, I feel like. So many reps last year. You start all three games this weekend. You're in that leadoff spot, but your role has changed defensively as well, moving from shortstop to second base. And we were talking about it off the air just a moment ago about that adjustment. You said you really hadn't played second base since before high school. So you're kind of learning this new position as you go. Right, just trying to get as many reps in and practice and scrimmages leading up to this series and then getting put just thrown out there could have been better not too bad 
going throughout the year, I think it, I'll fill into it and get better. So the Red Wolves off to a great start, 3-0. and oh, And we'll talk about what's coming up as far as the week ahead here in the next few minutes. do want to mention, though, one other thing that happened over the weekend mm-hmm. in A-State Athletics. The bowling team actually hosted their midwinter invitational over at Hijinks. And a little bit of history on Sunday morning, the first ever 300 game in program history as far as the Baker format is concerned. So you're talking about five yep. different bowlers on a team combined for that 300 score. Yeah, and the Baker format, you know, you're in a – typically if you're playing someone in Baker play, it's a best of seven because you got five bowlers just bowling one score. Somebody bowls the first and the sixth. Then the person behind him is the second and the seventh, so on and so forth. To your anchor is the – bowls the fifth frame and the tenth. They did bowl the first Baker 300 in program history to start the day Sunday. But on Friday, they took one into the 10th inning. They, they nearly bowled a Baker 300 Friday and came up just short, think, bowled 279. And so it was good for them to go ahead and, and check that box, get them a 300, and uh, you know keep advancing along and, and go, go and say things were going real well for them until they weren't Sunday. Yeah, and we'll go ahead and say, too, this is an event that featured 10 of the top 25 teams in the nation. The Red Wolves did finish fourth in the event, but you were out there, and it's all your fault. We'll go ahead and say it. I mean, you showed up at the event, and the Red Wolves were doing just fine and then took a big turn downward after that. It did. I'll admit that. to say that they were in uh, what essentially amounts to, like, the, the semifinal of the tournament, sort of the winner's bracket final of sorts. McKendry was already in the final match. They were taking on Louisiana Tech to see who would go there with them. And the Red Wolves were just putting finishing touches on going up 2-0 on Louisiana Tech when I got there. And then that match sort of turned. Now, if I'm going to stick my hand in the air and take my part of the blame, I'm also going to pat myself on the back to say I cared enough about the team to not just sit there and watch it go all the way down. I realized i had been a jinx once i knew that match had turned and you realize yeah you've jinxed them i left to give them enough time to hopefully turn it around and that's not the way it worked out jinxed them at high jinx yes i was the high jinx our uh buddy brooklyn buchanan former guest of this very podcast was named tournament mvp of the midwinter invitational great performance by her and Good effort by the team. Again, they finished fourth uh, among a very good field. They had their senior day, too. Y'all, they only play one home event a year. So, Sunday morning before the action got going, bowling had it, senior day. We'll take a look at the week ahead in A-State Athletics when we come back. The Simmons Bank Card Alerts app lets you get more from your Simmons debit and credit cards. Set transaction alerts to be notified of certain card activity and choose how you receive each alert. You can suspend your card, set a spend limit, or decline specific transaction types. You can even manage multiple cards. If your debit card is lost or stolen or you're opening a new account, you can immediately get a new card just by visiting your nearby Simmons branch. Learn more at SimmonsBank.com forward slash debit card. Simmons Bank, member FDIC. Wrapping things up here on the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank. Another busy week. As we record this, the track and field teams are in Birmingham competing at the Sunbelt Conference Indoor Championships. Hopefully we have a lot of good news to report next week. Yes. As we so often do with the track and field teams. 
The women's basketball team continuing its four-game homestand, final two games of the regular season, coming up Wednesday at 7 against ULM, and then senior night on Friday at 7 o'clock. So a chance to take even more momentum as far as the women's team is concerned. And, you know, you need that heading into Pensacola next week. Yeah, and and so – they're still on top of momentum. Obviously, there's much to be played for. Let me take just a second here, and I'm going to call up the women's standings because as long as you're listening before Wednesday, these will stand. In the Sun Belt right now, there is a two-way tie for first, a three-way tie for third, a two-way tie for sixth, then Marshall's alone in seventh, Coastal's alone in eighth, and then a three-way tie for ninth. That includes Arkansas State. Tied with Georgia State and App State for 9-10-11, and obviously 9-10 are pretty coveted spots because they would keep you out of day one of the tournament. Yeah, 11 through 14 have to play on that first day. So the Red Wolves still, you know, they have a chance to shorten their path. The tiebreakers are interesting because with App State, unfortunately, if you end up tied with them, it's not going to go well because – you suffered a one-point loss to App State at home early in the conference season. And what's going to be interesting is if A-State was to end up tied with Georgia State, here's what's going to be very interesting about that. Those two teams didn't play. So the tiebreaker then goes to kind of who got the top, the biggest win. If you go to the top of the standings, A-State has a win over Troy, and Georgia State has a win over James Madison. So even who finishes first in the league could impact who could break a potential tie between A-State and Georgia State. The A-State men will finish the season on the road. Wednesday will be in Lafayette to take on the Cajuns, 7.30, the tip time for that one. And then Friday night, the Red Wolves will be in Monroe taking on ULM, a little bit earlier start time for that one with tip-off at 6.30. And, you know, Mike Bellotto talked about it after the game on Saturday. He said, I kind of like being on the road this week before we head in to the conference tournament he wants his team to go ahead and get used to being out on the road they're going to take this road swing and then you know after staying the night after the game friday in monroe they're going to go ahead and go to pensacola kind of get acclimated there and of course they'll have the first round game on tuesday so nothing wrong with that and hopefully you can at least get one of these games this week and certainly that'd be a nice little springboard going into conference tournament play and i understand to stand out on the road too i mean you know depend on kind of what direction you were to end the regular season but when you're on a bus trip anyway they might as well just stay on the bus and give yourself a little extra time to kind of get in and get settled down in pensacola and hope to do something to stay down there a while the A-State baseball team with four games coming up this week after the 3-0 and weekend with the wins over UAPB. They'll play their first road game of the year. They travel to Oxford to take on the defending national champions, the Ole Miss Rebels, Tuesday at 4. Always look forward to that trip. Mm-hmm. And then back home for the first of 12 straight home games, Friday at 6 o'clock as Illinois State comes to town. Friday at 6, Saturday at 3, and then Sunday at 1. Remember, 15 of the first 16 at home, and this is part of a A-State baseball schedule that features a school record 35 home games this season. And we'll you know, obviously keep an eye this early in the week 
kind of too early to know for sure but you glance to the weekend and there is a rain chance or two so we'll keep an eye on that obviously and you can you know, follow us on social media for info on and if something you know was to change with the schedule. I'm not saying it's going to, but at least you have to know that as we're sitting here on Monday, there are rain chances on Saturday and Sunday. We'll get to your last thought here in just a second, but I wanted to mention this because with our group of radio stations at East Arkansas Broadcasters, Friday night, I think we're about to do something that... <laughs> Maybe no other, I know no other radio group that I've heard of has ever tried to do something like this, but we originate a lot of broadcasts around here, and this time of year, it's busy with men's basketball, women's basketball, and baseball all going on with the A-State broadcast, but we also originate four different high school broadcasts out of here. Mm -hmm. Now, with the Sunbelt schedule, Moving up a day for this final week of the regular season, instead of the standard Thursday-Saturday games, we're going Wednesday-Friday. Friday night at East Arkansas Broadcasters, we will be originating a sports broadcast from all six of our stations. Love it. I'll love it once it's all accomplished, <laughs> once, <laughs> once everything goes off smoothly. But uh, I think we're pulling off a little bit of radio history uh, on Friday night, at least we are in this building. Yeah, I think it's great. I don't, easy for me to say, but I, it'll be cool. Now, of course, I won't, well, yeah, no, I'll be, we're calling the women's game for TV. So once that's over, you may just try to hurry up out to my truck and see if I can go through every all six stations and hear a ball game <laughs> on. I can still catch part of Cade's post game because he gets real long winded in those. So uh, I can yeah, get to he the does. Truck and uh, hear part of that, and still technically hear six broadcasts. All right, what do you got to talk about? Well, there is. I'm not, I'm not going to rant about anything, but there's a couple of things I want to touch on. Number one, shout out to Joel Weems. You remember yeah. Joel? Was so if you go back far enough, he was an A State student who worked. Uh, he he worked as an equipment manager somewhere along the way, and as a student did some stuff in Sports Info, and later in his career in athletics came back and headed compliance. He happened to be in town last week and came in the office and got a chance to say hello to some folks, and when he did, he said that uh, he's able to keep up with Arkansas State through the Second to None podcast, so shout out to Joel Williams. Man, that's a good guy. It is. Even better that he's now, yeah, he was He was a jerk, but now he's real nice Yeah, when he said that. <laughs> and then uh, i want to give a shout out to a young lady named dusty hall okay who happens to be a member of the uh, howlers basketball band and uh if you're at the game saturday yes so it was a good day for dusty even if uh some uh jerk kind of put her through the ringer unnecessarily mm -hmm. so high troll does a promotion at a state basketball where they have a keyword every game and there's a sign atop at the top of the student section with a qr code where students can scan that code go in enter the word for that game and that they have a system an online thing that accumulates the points for having checked in right and they were committed to giving the basically the, the what they call the student section super fan fifteen hundred dollars at the end of the year well, after Wednesday night's games, and it was close enough, like it came down to the wire, but after Wednesday night's games, Dusty Hall was the student with the most points. 
So she was contacted and told she had the most points and, you know, we'll acknowledge that Saturday at the game. She wasn't told, hey, you won the $1,500, which was really the case. She was just told, <laughs> you got the most points to be there. There's something that'll happen. So yes. she comes down at the assigned time, and I'm standing there with a basketball waiting for her and, and joined by the president at High Troll. And you could tell she's a nervous wreck. And I, I hand her the basketball. I said, "You, if you need to step off to the side and have a chat with this basketball so you guys can get on friendly terms, have at it. So the time comes, we go out on the floor. There's been the half-court shot for tuition at every game. And I don't know if she thought that's what she's going to have to do or not. I didn't say. Dusty, you don't have to hit a half-court shot. All you got to do is hit a three-pointer, and you win $1,500. Now, if I'm being honest with you, I'm banking on the fact that she's not going to hit this three-pointer. Right. And she doesn't. So not only did she not know she'd really already won the 1500 she also didn't know because Hytro just up and decided to make it 2500 Added a thousand to just because, and so the president of Hytro, I said, "What should we do here?" And he says, "Well, I think we ought to give her another shot, and I think we ought to make it for twenty five hundred instead of fifteen." I said, "Sounds good." Well, I tell you what, Dusty, instead of having to hit this three, and I walked to the block. <laughs> I said, "Won't you hit a shot from right here?" A layup for twenty five hundred dollars, and she missed the and first. She one. missed it. <laughs> <laughs> So I said, what should we do, David? He said, oh, I think she should get another shot. And thank the Lord, she hit the second layup and won $2,500 that unfortunately she didn't know she had won all along. Well, but it still made for good drama. As far as uh, Brad Bobo, marketing director, I commend you because you made that very entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> as far as uh, you without that marketing hat on, you're just a big jerk. <laughs> and it was all so I, I enjoyed it that part was fun it was also cool saturday at the 500th men's game to yeah. recognize van will hoyt oh man he's who had not super only fan, not only been at all 500 games with drina but saturday was actually his 598th consecutive men's basketball home game there's not a bigger fan out there and then it was cool to uh introduce the mid-year football guys the newcomers That's and right. bring them Coach out Jones saturday. was out there so all of that was cool by the way, have well, you seen they're talking about some football rule changes, too. Did you see that today? I did not. It's all clock-related. Okay. There are four they're looking at. Three of the four have more support than the fourth one. And it, this could happen as soon as this fall. A couple of them that you won't see every day, but no consecutive timeouts. Mm-hmm. So you can't ice the kicker if you got all your timeouts left. No untimed downs at the end of the first or third quarter. Okay. If the first quarter ended with a defensive penalty, it'd just be assessed and you'd go to the second quarter. Yeah. Same with the third. The biggest one from a, a pace of – because they're trying to shorten college football games. As they should. The biggest one that's got the most support is winding the clock after a first down except for inside two minutes of both halves. Those three seem to be widely supported. The one that's got a little more discussion is that they've also talked about after an incomplete pass – spotting the ball and winding the clock yeah i don't know if that one's gonna fly with everybody the first three seem like there's there's not a seem doesn't seem to hold a lot of resistance to but there's there's i think there's more conversation about the fourth. i think the the running clock on first downs with the exception of inside two minutes will help quite a bit so hopefully um hopefully we do see some things to speed up the game a little bit 
Hey, you know, it was really fun recapping all the good stuff that (laughs) happened this week. Hopefully we can do it again next week on our next edition of the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank.